You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, and welcome to the Get Fucking Real show, where successful, soulful entrepreneurs confess and talk straight about what they learned from their struggles. I am so happy to be starting a new year with the podcast. Welcome to 2021, everybody. If you missed my last episode, it may intrigue you. It's called How 2020 Kicked My Ass and the lessons I learned. <laughs> and they're all inner inner lessons I learned, not so much about the world. Gosh, do we learn a lot about the world, but really what I learned about myself through the experience of 2020. So you may want to check that out. So for this episode, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Kate Huffman. And she has toured a one-woman show called I'm Too Fat for This Show. And when I heard about this, I had to, I had to get the backstory and then I had to have her on the show. So let me ask you, do you right now, do you love your body? For me, the answer is way more to the yes than it ever has been in my 50 years. And I still know that there are crevices and circumstances and situations where I notice that I could have thoughts about my body that are less than loving. And this conversation is near and dear to my heart because I have in my 20s, I struggled with an eating disorder that was, is, and was called compulsive overeating. And I was in a 12-step program in my 20s called Overeaters Anonymous. And I entered that 12-step program when I was in college. And that was after what felt like at the time, a lifetime of struggle with using food to deal with life and a, an overabundance of thoughts and feelings and obsessions around my body and food and dieting and exercise and all of the things related. And so it's just... I have, have evolved enormously. The 12-step program really served me at the time when I was in my 20s. And then I've done a lot more work <laughs> all different, in all different kinds of ways to come to a place of really loving my curvy body and <sighs> feeling sexy and having a fun and nurturing and chill relationship with food and exercise and, and I know, actually, as I record this introduction, that in 2021, there is more for me there. There is more compassion. There is more um, awareness around even the most subtle thoughts that I might have about myself when I look in the mirror or see myself on a video call. There's just, there's more for me. There's more um, pure, pure, 100%. I want to say yes to that question. Do I love my body at the end of this year? So yeah, so this is a very fresh and very, has a lot of vitality, this topic for me, and it may for you as well. So let me tell you a little bit more about Kate. 
in addition to this one woman show, I'm too fat for this show. <laughs> she is an award winning actor and a certified body image coach. And she helps people who struggle with diet, exercise, and body hatred to rewire their brains towards self-acceptance. And of course, this is all so they can like take that, that time and that energy, that money, and like live a life you know, on purpose. And this is as a result of her own struggle, as is with all of our guests. They are, they're here to share how they are living their purpose and doing their work and serving in the world because of the struggle that they went through. And hers looked like two decades of anorexia, OCD, and extreme chronic pain. And that had pretty much destroyed all areas of her life. And this show that she did, I'm Too Fat for the Show, was actually her sort of last cry to the universe. Like her, like when she looked up into, you know, the night sky and was like, you know, please help me create meaning from what was feeling like her wasted life, she got the idea to be of service through her art. And so she was not in any way healed or, you know, doing well by any stretch of the imagination when she was doing her show. And the show was super healing for her. And all of the results that came from that led her to her new career, her new expertise. And uh, so we had just a lot of fun. It's conversation. She's super fun. And I invite you to into how, whatever level of action or integration you want to take from this conversation that applies to you. I, I hope you will. She actually does a bonus training for our GFR squad members called How to Neutralize Mean Thoughts We Think About Ourselves. And it was fabulous. I have the notes right here in front of me. It's a five-step process and it was really illuminating. Even for like me, who I feel, you know, I'm pretty evolved person. And those of you that also feel that way, it was really illuminating. So if you are wanting to be more un unapologetic in the new year and be more real, then I would love to be in community with you in the GFR squad. Um, we meet monthly and we use one of the GFR commandments as our sort of our theme for our conversation. Um, coming up here, we're going to be talking about uh, commandment number seven, trust yourself, trust your gut. And that confession question is, what is my intuition telling me? So if that, like as an example, if that would feel fun to be, to talk about that with others, then I'd love for you to join the GFR squad. It's really inexpensive. It's just enough skin in the game just to, you know, have you feel like you're making a commitment, but it's really not that big of a commitment. It's 20 bucks a month right now. Um, or 200 for the year. If you want to start off your year with like, yeah, I've been wanting to do this. I, I would love to be snuggle up closer at Lisa Cherney and hear her confessions. And, you know, confession is not required um, for the calls, but it, it's really just about community and, um, and leaning into where we might be getting in our own way. That's really what it's all about. And of course you get the, all of the bonus trainings from all the guests, including Kate's how to neutralize your mean thoughts that how to neutralize mean thoughts we think about ourselves. And there's a whole bunch of awesome other trainings in there and an amazing community in the Facebook group, as well as you get swag, y'all. You get a button and a sticker and you get your own mini like pocket GFR commandments. So it's a good deal. You know, it just helps to keep the dialogue going here and the like the spirit or the feeling of the show is what is intended to happen in the GFR squad. So I hope you'll go join us at GFR dot life forward slash squad. Just take that action and join us. Okay. Without further ado, I can't wait for you to meet Miss Kate Huffman. Kate Huffman. So Hello. excited. Welcome to the GFR show. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a treat because I don't have a ton of occasion to interview people that I completely don't know at all. And I, oh, I, I do that when people are highly recommended, which you were. Well, I'm so grateful all the more then for you having me on. So I, I can't wait to dive into and I'm so like just tickled to see what you've done with your struggle and how it had a purpose. So you are squarely in GFR commandment number four, you know, oh, your yeah. trust that your struggle serves your mission. And I want to kick it off with myself. <laughs> I want to kick it off uh, sharing with everybody. If you, you know, you, I, I share this often on the show, but in case you haven't caught it, or you might just be here because Kate shared 
about her, you know, her interview on the show and it might be your first experience of me, Lisa Cherney. So I also have a journey with food and diet and, you know, my body image and predominantly in my late teens, early twenties, until when I was a junior in height in college, I found my way to Overeaters Anonymous 12 step program. And that sent me on a, a, you know, a significant healing journey. And for me, my eating disorders, there's, you know, there's a few different types of eating disorders. You know, there is the anorexia, which is what you struggled with, which is not eating. There is overeating, which is where I, in my camp and I overate and I didn't do anything to get rid of it. I just overate. (laughs) And then there's bulimia of different types where you overeat and then you try to get rid of it either through vomiting, which is the most commonly known. And then there's other ways through exercise and other things that you can do to try to get rid of it. So I was in Overeaters Anonymous for about 15 years. And as we say, in the rooms, heard the whole spectrum of the way that eating disorders express. And so I have some knowledge from that, uh, you know, with regards to, you know, what your journey was with anorexia, but of course, for sure one here, I really want to hear all about that. It's funny, even just this morning, I, I find that this show and when I interview guests, so at the time of this airing where it's, it's in mid-November and I was doing some journaling, I mean, at the time of that recording, it's mid-November and I was doing some journaling and I even, even to this day, still finding that my relationship, even though I feel healed and I label myself healed, I still find that my relationship with food and exercise is, and my body is still teaching me. And it's just quite amazing. So would you say still, even, even now, all these years later? (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, most, most definitely because our brains are forming during our, our adolescent years, starting around the age of 12, we get this new influx of gray matter and we start connecting new synapses to understand the world that just run automatically in the background from there. And at that time, especially as women, our value is connected to the shape of our body and beauty standards so frequently that our brains are creating a universal truth in the background that just to be normal, we're supposed to hit this thin ideal. Do that first, then you can do anything you want with your life. But first, do that. That's a, that's a problem that many, many women feel. It's like we have all these goals in life, but there's ultimately comes back to feeling that our bodies are fully out of control, not right, not proper. And we do anything we can to make that happen. Not, and not even purposes of vanity. It's, it's just to kind of like check that box that we're supposed to hit and then move forward from there. So uh, I didn't mean to jump right into neuroscience, but it gets me fired up. So. No, and you know, and it's, it's so and I love that because I'm not, I'm not, I will do that. <laughs> I am not science, so oh, I love yeah. that you bring that in. <laughs> well, I, I over, I, I have spent many, many years analyzing myself to death because I had undiagnosed OCD as a child, and I did all kinds of strange things. And I was also a larger, I was a fat kid, so I'm going to use that word because I believe it should be neutralized. So I anyone, agree. It should be yeah. neutralized. Yes. Yeah. Thank we have you. a very fat phobic society and we've been taught that that's bad, that fat is bad, that the word it should just be a neutral descriptor. And so as a child, my body was a fat body and that is fine. But I wanted to be an actor <laughs> from the time I was little and it was the nineties. And I looked around and saw that there was a job requirement that I was not hitting because there was one and only one option for female actors. And that was, um, at the time, was called heroin chic. It was bone thin. Just to play any part. If I wanted to go out and tell stories and inhabit characters, all of them had to be stick thin, unless you were, the only other option was to be the fat funny lady. And I wanted to play a wide variety of characters. So that's how, that, that was a very serious thing. I was a very serious kid. I was a crazy straight A student, straight precocious kid. So I was like, I guess I better figure that out. I was also bullied somewhat, but I, I, and I look back to those moments and it's weird how, uh, it was like a bad Hollywood film in terms of my weight loss and number of friends. (laughs) Oh yeah. I totally relate to that. I Um, absolutely. Yeah. it, It was hilarious. My, my, my primary goal was, you know, get this body into the right shape to have the career that I dream of. But because I have OCD and once I was introduced to the counting of calories, numbers are a big deal. It became 
the obsession that uh, you know overlaps with anorexia completely and body dysmorphia is a type of OCD I uh feel that it's kind of strange to me that eating disorders aren't put under the OCD category given that body dysmorphia is so it's like those are the invasive thoughts that we have all day every day but the behaviors that those thoughts create put get put over in this other category that a lot of people judge as like vanity based or whatever. Anyway. Um, oh, that's interesting. No, I really appreciate that distinction. Yeah. It's funny. My experience was such a different one. And, it, and in the end, it's about, it's like relationship with food, fucking you up, you know, like yeah. relationship with, with food, creating disconnection, you know, yeah. and for me, for me, it wasn't, as it, it wasn't a control thing, it was a cover all the emotions and, you know, that was like cover all the emotions. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Well, and, and that serves the same purpose. It's right. all emotions as well. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing you're thinking about all, all day. Yes, it, I for sure. Like, every, right. Yeah. All I'm thinking about all day long is what I'm going to eat, what I'm not going to eat, whether or not I'm going to exercise, whether so, I gained or lost weight. <laughs> and so is an anorexic. Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking about eating and waiting to eat. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Most of the hours of the day are waiting, but then those, those times that you allot are everything anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. I know. And I'm fast. I'm not fascinated. Well, I guess I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated with the role that your awareness of a the career that you wanted to be in added a whole nother level of fucked upness because yeah. I didn't like, I just had the normal, you know, girl, you know, your body should be smaller. Yeah. Thin, Which is you know. yeah. And that's enough. Like, I, I don't mean to, you know, no, you don't, you're not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm sending you compassion, right. your little girl, because oh, wow, that just added all a whole nother layer of, of yeah. stress for you. Um, and that, and then of course that, that was lost sight of when I first spiraled down at 14 into full anorexia, it's no longer about anything. It's, it's just one thing. You're just, it's just one simple goal that you are confused, but you are also, I was also a teenager and you think you know it all anyway. And <laughs> you're sort of like, I know everything. And this is the only thing on the planet that matters. And I have to do this and nothing else. And once I kind of got out of that, uh, it, it, I mean, like the initial spiral that, that, that kills people. I was yeah. That did not happen. So the, I mean. so the ultimate downward spiral is that you die from it. Like just yeah, to be explicit for people that aren't familiar with it, they may not even sorry. know how life-threatening it is. Right. Yeah, it's the number one um, deadliest mental disorder because people die constantly from wow. anorexia. Yeah. So the, oh, yeah, I was just going to say I had a couple other severe spirals into anorexia and, and once when I went to college and when I first moved to LA. But uh, on the whole, it was decades of eating disorders. So you had outlined a couple. There's also eating disorders um, not otherwise specified. Is how they Great, thank it. you for for adding to my. Uh, again, yeah. you're the science gal. You'll be the science person. I'm, sure I'm, that I'm, I'm accurate. <laughs> I have an obsessive and analytical mind. So you know, and and this is the thing is it stems from the most deep, incredible self loathing that you can experience. It's such you hate I hated myself so very thoroughly to begin with for for a number of reasons and then I hated myself for many years for having this eating disorder and not being able to be stronger because it was affecting the people in the lives around me it was affecting my own life I couldn't do the things I wanted to do like it backfired ultimately it hindered my career because you don't have any energy to do anything and I got very sick and all these things and it affects your your social life you abandon your friends immediately or you just don't have you there's such a thick wall around you you can't make any friends it affects your love life it affects everything and so you're just hating yourself for having to do the things that your brain tells you you have to do and it's such a deep overwhelming sense of of self-loathing that there's an element you hit a certain point where you know this is dumb like body standards are dumb. I don't believe in them. I, I never even ever believed in them for anyone else. I would never want anyone else to live this way. I would love to see more body diversity on screen, which thankfully these days there are, is some, but at any rate, you know all of that and yet you still can't make a change. And that's 
sort of the stage where a lot of the people I work with now, which again, thinking back to those 20 years of my life, I can't believe that I am somebody who can say now that I love it's myself, amazing. I love my body, I'm grateful for my body, and I can promise other people that it is actually possible to move forward and feel that way. Such a fucking miracle, right? <laughs> it's crazy. It's so shocking to me. But so a lot of my clients come to me at that point where they know that this is all garbage, that body standards are bullshit, and they wouldn't they, they don't want to live their lives as a slave to diet culture, as many of us do. And, um, but they can't stop. Like it, it's, they feel like you just, my brain's not going to change. I have to do these things. I have to live the way I'm going to live. And so that's where we start, where I start going really deep with people in thought work and teaching you to question your thoughts and change your behavior and feel safe about changing your thoughts and actually moving forward into applying some body acceptance strategies into your life. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the moment where you are like, I still can't believe that I, that I'm doing this now, that I love my body enough to do this now, because I, I relate to that sort of feeling like it's a freaking miracle that I feel good in my curvy, sexy body it is a miracle. It's a, it's just that, and it's a miracle that I'm not thinking about what I'm going to eat all the time. And it's a miracle that every time I walk out of the house, I'm not, you know, or every time somebody invites me to something is like, what am I going to wear? What's fitting? Like, you know, it's a miracle. I can go into my closet and every single thing in my closet fits my body, which is like, there's so much to that because it means that I've let go, you know, like I just yeah, buy new clothes. That's what I was say. I want to say, I, I, I exactly. <laughs> I want to make sure people know that that, and I wanted to check too. That means that you do not let yourself spiral down. If something no longer fits, you just say goodbye to it. Exactly. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's I, mean, I, have, activity that I, realize. I know. I know. Sorry to interrupt. I, I just, you know, I don't claim this as an expertise like you do. And it's my own experience. Of course, I track people that, you know, I can help. And in, in the way that I work with business owners, it's holistic. So it's, it's your whole life. And so if there's bullshit going on with the way that you're checking out and has to do with food or whatever else, you know, for sure, we talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certified as a body positivity coach, a body confidence coach and a life coach. So I really believe that the body image stuff, that that's where I work with people is life. Like that is when you learn to do the thought work that I teach, it frees you up in every area of your life. It, Cause we are freeing ourselves to do what we were put here to do. Yes. We're most of the time we've been walking around trying to do the things we want to do with a hand waving in front of our face. <laughs> first, wait, first go fix your face and fix your clothes and get your, go on a diet first, be hungry all day. Like that's there. And we're trying to see through it to do the things we want to do. And once that's removed, your your life can fall into place so, so much more efficiently. <laughs> yeah. I love that there, you know, I love that you specialize in this. And, you know, I, again, I feel like I'm a sort of a general practitioner when it comes to yeah. beliefs that are fucking you up. Um, mm -hmm. I sniff them out. I call them out. And, you know, if somebody needs particular specialized help, we for sure you know, I help them to figure that out. So I just love that you are owning this space. And there was a time where I wondered if this was, you know, if that was what I was supposed to do, you know, as you're on your healing journey and you feel like you're, you're kicking ass with something, you're like, okay, you might supposed to help people, you know, like, which is oh, all of my, all my clients, that's what they do is they help people with something that they, you know, that they're passionate about or that they overcame. So I appreciate that about you. <laughs> well, it's crazy. It's it's really crazy that I'm doing this. So you, as you know, you told people I do a show called I'm Too Fat for this show. I, so I've been an actor and a writer in, in, in LA for a decade and secretly struggling with this stuff that I was so deeply ashamed of and never spoke about ever. My closest friends didn't necessarily know wow. this. I mean, some people could catch on, but not, not the extent of how much it affected every single moment of my life. And I, I, it also caused me a lot, a lot, a lot of chronic pain, chronic pain that I blamed myself for, and thus I would spiral down to greater self-hatred. I have since found out I actually had Lyme disease the entire time, but my brain was so full of self-loathing that I didn't bother to look into it. I thought I deserve this pain because I work out every day, even though my body hurts. And so I deserve it. And I don't feel, of course this happens. I'd lie on the ground thinking I was going to die before I turned 30, but I knew I was going to take painkillers and go to the gym anyway, like just so intense. 
And I was looking around at my life at a certain point and trying to make any, like I always wanted to be a storyteller because I believe that you can be of service through storytelling. I think even comedy, I did a lot of comedy, that's of service, but you can move people through stories. That's what, that's what I went out there to do. That's what I wanted to do. And in this very, very low point in massive pain and, and no, just looking at every area of my life felt like it had been destroyed by this thing that weighed on me so heavily. I thought to myself, the only way I can make any meaning out of what looks like a wasted life from my self-loathing perspective is to tell the story and see if it's of service to anyone. And that was the beginning of a two year long grueling journey of trying to write this show because I wanted it to be funny because I did not, everything I've ever seen on eating disorders was highly melodramatic, which I felt pushed people away and did not let people realize how relatable they are and how easily we can connect. I mean, honestly, I didn't know it was gonna be relatable to people without eating disorders, but I've now taken this show to a ton of cities and people without eating disorders are like, I had no idea I was gonna to relate to all of that. So at the time I didn't know that, but that's what I have discovered. They're super relatable apparently. Even if you've never had a problem with food, you're gonna to relate to just beating yourself up in your brain. Yes. <laughs> um, so I started writing the show. I, want, I, I wanted it to be funny and I just wanted to tell the, the journey of of the years after I, it wasn't, there's not much about the intense downward spiral of 14. It's, it's discussed, it's pointed to, but the rest is the decades after and how that affects everything in your life going forward on a day-to-day -day basis for decades. So I told this story, but um, it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And expected to do it one weekend in Sherman Oaks <laughs> and uh it just uh, had I'm grateful enough that it had a powerful impact that I was encouraged to continue doing it and I was still doing a present tense show is my point is what I'm aiming at I was not well yeah was, this is my life don't uh please don't try to fix me you know I was sort of like it yeah. was just offering of my truth and the victory in the show is it's not overcoming the eating disorder because I was presently in it. It was talking about it. So it goes from massive shame about it. Mm. I, the opening, I'm like breaking up with the guy because he wants to cook me dinner. <laughs> the ending wow. is it's very silly. It's very silly. And but based on a true story. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it, the ending, I'm like shouting about it from the rooftops of like you know, let's all talk about it. The, the, the hardest part about all of this is how shame, ashamed we all are of it. If we just talk about it, that releases something. And the, the truth of that is from there, I felt a sense of self-worth for the first time in my life. I was like, what is this feeling? This is interesting. What is this I feel? <laughs> I was, I was like, man, everyone should try this. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying you have to tell your your most shame things on, in a public setting to, to, to deserve self-worth. You deserve self-worth right now in this moment, you are inherently valuable, all of anyone listening. But that's how it was for me. Cause I could see that I had been of service. I could see that I had done something that affected people deeply. And I just kind of came home from the first tour, three month tour of the show and felt like, okay, if I die, <laughs> that's fine. Cause I've done something. Yeah. But like I said, I wasn't well, it was, the journey from there of people asking me after they saw the show for help of how to help people get over these issues and how to help themselves get over these issues that started to make really weigh on me and make me feel um, quite responsible to offer an answer. Cause I was like, I don't have an answer. Did you watch the show? I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did you think that was past tense? No, no, no. Although now if I were to perform it, it would be past tense, which is exciting. How, when was the last time you performed it? I'd say a little over a year ago, October of 2019, and I was going to try to do a 2020 tour, but um, there will not be live theater for we don't know when. Um, so that's been a bummer. But so in the two years since you and well, let's the see. The show started in 2016. Okay. Okay. I did the show in 2016. It was around 2017 after the first tour or maybe that ended in 2018 yeah because I did it around LA a bunch and you know, I did the Fringe Festival and won some stuff and then I toured from 2017 to 18 so that's when I started to really dig deep to figure this out I also my body also started snapping I started having all these injuries which was making me um and again now I know it was Lyme disease but at the time it felt like the universe was screaming like hey stop 
you know, you got to walk your talk or, you know, because you can't keep running around exercising every day through pain and counting every calorie and going around trying to tell other people not to do that. So figure this out. So I wasn't able to work out. That's really challenging. So I just had this time to really dig deep, get into body acceptance, get into body positivity. I got into meditation and mindfulness and um, uh, just working on that subconscious level and learning about the neuroscience of how to rewire your brain and what kind of work we can do to do that and really learning about where all the messaging of diet culture comes from and how, how problematic it truly is. Even though I already knew when you really get down to the heart of where all these body standards came from, it is highly troubling. And so just through that and then um, finding actual healing for myself, being able to actually let go of keeping track of everything that goes into my mouth, being able to take days off and let my body rest. And it was so overwhelmingly crazy that I could do it, that I started getting my certifications to, to teach this stuff, to help people with this stuff, to coach it. And, and, and in getting the certifications that furthered the healing and I developed this program that, uh, that I'm really just so grateful I'm able to share with people, but it's still crazy to me. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> if you ask me for 2016, I'll be like, no, I'll do this solo show, but I'm still going to be a mess in 2020, but no, 2021. But no. And that's what's awesome. I mean, that's this, that's the heart of this show, right? Is that it all has a purpose and Right. And I know that there are plenty of people that are wa that watch and listen that are not business owners or not mission driven business owners. You know, the stories we tell are how people create a business or enhance their business through through the healing of through the struggle and then the, you know, the aftermath of it. But also they're just for, you know, it's in inspiring to see that, you know, that it does have a purpose. So you're a walking billboard for the GFR show, as far as I'm concerned. Ah, well. <laughs> You have the best credentials, like whether you were certified as a coach or not. I know, I believe that many certifications come from our own, like, we need that validation. We need to know, you know, we're not going to fuck people up or, you know, we need, you know, yeah. there's, there's a, I know I don't have any certifications. Oh, I am, I'm not a certified don't. coach. I don't have a marketing degree. You know, I, I, you and know, a lot of the best people out there don't. And yeah. that's fine. It's yeah. more, again, a lot of anorexics, I say this in the show, they tend to be straight A students. Uh, totally. Like, yeah. You know, perfectionism in there. <laughs> there are people who can't do what they're going to say they're going to do. So yeah. it's more like for me, I wanted to make sure I if I wanted to be helping others to be like, oh, look at me, A plus certified, you know, <laughs> but totally. Um, and I could see you probably it's good. Yeah. I'm grateful for it, but more of it. I mean, the, the way, the, the thing that I find connects to people is like the fact that I have put it all out there and I can absolutely relate to like nothing. Anybody says can shock me. I've had all of those thoughts you can have and it's, and you were saying how I mean they're so related that there have been people who've been like I have the opposite problem because I have been cheating disorder I'm like that's not the opposite problem it is the same problem they are yeah. related and especially like many people in recovery from anorexia or even during anorexia have been cheating as well it's all of it is disconnecting our our brains and our bodies from the process of nourishing our bodies <laughs> they're pulled apart and we have to mend them back together so yeah I would say relating to people more from experience is, is really kind of where we go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I always like to say, I, I say the people on the show are like uh, wormhole certified, you know, it's like you <laughs> been through hell and back and I'm giving you a stamp of like the best, most uh, credible certification I could think of. <laughs> That's my favorite new term, wormhole certified. Oh man. I have so much wormhole certifications. That's Thing. You do. You have a PhD in wormhole certification, Kate Huffman. <laughs> Hilarious. I love it. So, um, so you never did a 12 step program. It sounds like. No, you know, and I wanted to, I, I'm, I'm very grateful. That was helpful for you. I, uh, I did not find them helpful for me and you know, you take what you, you take what works for you. I also spent years in therapy and that's a thing that is very legitimate for people. For me, it did not ever help in any way, except for one moment. I can point to one moment. 
That was actually <laughs> very groundbreaking. And I will be grateful to that therapist forever. But I was someone who was forced into therapy from the age of 14 onward again and again in relationships. I would be like, go to therapy. And uh, especially in the 90s, there was not good treatment for anorexia for eating disorders, it was not good. And I believe that today it is different because people come out of inpatient programs and, and whom I've met who are very grateful for, for what they have done. At the time that I had to go through all of that, it was all like, they yell at you for being stupid. They like, they, it's just, I felt like everybody was just yelling at me for being stupid and imposing these- Just, just eat, why don't you just eat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it was so to me bad at that time. And, um, that I've just had not the best experience with it. So what I do, because sometimes people are like, go get your degree and be a therapist. And I don't want that because <laughs> I just, it just didn't resonate for me. And I've done the wormhole work. I'm not even kidding you. I've done all the research. Like I was citing the DS, uh, the DSM earlier. <laughs> yeah. And the coaching element of it is so much more, freeing you you can give people practical tools to try out it's and um and and push them and, and ask different sorts of questions i just find the relationship to be more in alignment like more kind of on the same level a little bit yeah yeah like, i mean i have a client who does therapy and coaching and she has now like part of her thing is helping people to know which they need and she works with young people with anxiety issues and you know, therapy is predominantly about the, the past and sort of like the stories and, you know, and then, you know, coaching is more like, okay, let's get on with how we're going to do, you know, the future. So that, that's helped me. And that just, when she shared that with me, that really helped. And cool. uh, yeah. And again, I, I absolutely advocate for therapy and it saves many people and, and, and I don't, and many of, most of my clients are, they also have therapists. So yes, yes. I'm not trying to say it's not important, but it's just not what I wanted to do. I yeah. want to ask people differently than that. So I want to ask you a question that I got asked often and I will answer myself. I will answer this question myself as well. What do you think was the cause of, of the OCD, of the anorexia? Or I don't know what, what, you know, what, where do you, where do you feel what started it all? Or, and, and I also asked because, and I want you to just have this in, in your answer too, is, is that there, right? We have parents with teenage girls you know, that are listening. And it's just oh. like, you know, you know, let's talk about how all this shit gets started so that yeah. perhaps we can prevent. Well, to the, the latter, uh, it is so very important to try to be body neutral in your home and food neutral. Do not assign morality to food. There isn't good food. There isn't bad food. Um, so is that what's happened to you when you were a kid? No. Um, well, yes. I mean, sure. Yes. So I grew up believing that that was part of womanhood was being on a diet. Is that something that there was, that was in your house? Is it in my family, but it's also all over the the world. It's all over everything. Like every magazine's about dieting. Every magazine is about fixing your body shape. I remember um, like reading the comic Kathy and being like, that's what, that's what it means to be a woman is to hate your body, to hate bathing suit shopping and to want to be on a diet and to mess up your diet and eat chocolate. Of course, that's what womanhood is. I forgot about her. I forgot (laughs) about her. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, I, I, I just, it was just a fact. This was a fact of what you do as a female. And, and that is in the world that is everywhere all the time we are working on shifting it and there have been major strides made i am so grateful every time i walk into a target and they have normal sized mannequins or you know advertisers choose to not photoshop the crap out of a out of a human body to make it no longer a human body um but in the house in the meantime you can not ever talk about other people the shape of other people's bodies at all don't talk about your own body shape not good as good or bad, you know, don't be like somebody got, went through a divorce and gained so much weight. It's so sad. Or, oh my gosh, someone's so lost weight. That's so great. All of that is equating it. They're false. They're false. I mean, it may be hard to accept that for some people, but that's actually false. Assuming that one body shape is superior to another is there's such, it's inherently false. And I could go into the health elements of it too, because sometimes people make that argument, but you cannot tell a person's health from the shape of their body, period. You can't. And there isn't morality to health either. But um, 
for me, this is the question you actually asked me. Sorry. It's okay. You're on your <laughs> soapbox. I, I, I will not fault you for that. <laughs> I get, I'm passionate. I do want the next generation, you know, 14. I mean, I, I tell you, Kate, this was having my kid have a healthy body image was the uh, number one goal that I had as a parent. I, I cannot, it was like, it's like, I, I kind of felt like people that might have some kind of disease they don't want to pass on to their their yeah. child. Like that's how, what I felt. I was like, I am not doing that. Like I am, I, I, it was, I can't emphasize how important that was for me yeah. and I have fucking succeeded. And I am, I, I'm grateful every day that she doesn't feel like eating dessert and she dances her ass off and feels good in her body. And every, just every Every day we went shopping recently, Kay, and she needed jeans and the first pair of jeans fit her. And I just was like, oh, I'm so grateful that you're having this experience that though that, you know, the first pair of pants and, and not even a, a thought in her mind about it, you know, where shopping was just torture for me. Yeah, you know? I, yeah I still, I still have, I have to gear myself up a little bit and just remember yeah I'm gonna buy the pair that fits I don't care about what number is it yes the number yeah and and as she's going through puberty right her body is changing enormously yeah bodies change I want to get that tattoo bodies change bodies change it's it's just it blew my mind when I heard that one day on a podcast a body positivity podcast and we should yeah ourselves with positive messaging as much as possible since the world is going to keep throwing toxic messaging at us all the time Agreed. and someone just said bodies change it's what they do and I was like oh, I like had to pull the car over <laughs> like, bodies change of course of course it's that simple that's yes that's simple because we we're just working so hard to never let our body change and never let our size change and never let our weight change and like that they're going to, they do it as children growing up. They do it when we go through puberty. They do it when we go through menopause and they do it in the stages in between all the time. And that is normal and healthy and good and beautiful. But yes, so she's going through puberty now. I wish you all the luck in the world. Yeah, you know, and, and just, I just point that out to say that her body changed a lot in the last even year. And, uh, you know, it's like, just keep checking in with her, just to, like how, you know, like things, nothing was fitting. She went through a thing about two months ago where nothing was fitting it because of COVID, we didn't go school shopping. And so like, it, you know, we kind of got away with not needing to shop, but then there was a time where nothing was fitting. And I was like listening, making sure that she wasn't judging it, that it was just like, shit doesn't fit. Cause I'm a growing girl. I'm a young person, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, thank God, you know, just like, okay. yeah. So I, well, I to you thank you I yeah. it is one I, I do feel like it's like one of my most bragworthy accomplishments is that my kid has a healthy relationship with her body and food it just feels like an exercise too yeah it's, it's amazing and she's a dancer so she had a lot of opportunity to not <laughs> yeah so so we were talking about you and and kind of your origin story of where you feel like you know so this started and you for sure pointing to just general like society and messages and media and just like yeah. you know well, like yeah so yeah i smiled really big when you asked the question because it's the thing that i've tortured myself with for many i did too and i have my own answer and i remember being tortured about it too because i wanted to have some big like you know this happened to me and you know but i didn't well, the, the way i do it in the show to analyze <laughs> this question it's um it's one of it's i play an inspector and like a damsel in distress and he's grilling her well she they're actually both women but people always think i'm playing a man it's like a film noir scene just grilling this person to death about what could have possibly caused it and the <laughs> And it, it, it's like, is it because your family was always fighting? You know, is it because, you know, it, it, was it, could it be genetic? Uh, well, my, my father will always, my mother will always counts the steps and my father, always, it's just, it's crazy. So, uh, oh, more, more, I want, do more, do more. <laughs> uh, well, the beginning is, um, oh, Inspector, you gotta help me. Someone's kidnapped my sanity. And the inspector's like, okay, so you're anorexic. You were molested, right? Because that's what every therapist yes. I ever had insisted upon for a yes. really long time. Wow. And it made me crazy. I'd be like, I don't think I was, but if you all insist, let me keep thinking about every adult I ever met as a child and figure wow. out if I was molested. And the thing of it is, a lot of 
a lot of anorexics were because you internalize that trauma against your body and then mm-hmm. you have more hatred against your body and you want to control it. And that makes perfect sense. But it was also like really frustrating in terms of like, you know, there are other reasons someone can hate them. Right. So they have to control their body. So stop putting this on me. So it wasn't that, but all the other ones that we go through in the end, she's just like, and suddenly it hit me. It wasn't just one of them. It was all of them, all of them put together. I'm kind of only, so yeah, society, sure. Family, sure. Genetics, sure. Anything that could be causing um, someone's self-worth to drop in a world where you're also being told that your value as a female is connected to your appearance. Those two things can be connected and then throw in OCD on top of it. And you're going to hardcore spiral or any anxiety disorder or depression. And they say, uh, 12 to like from 12 to 14, a female's, um, self-worth drops by 80% on average. It's a tough time. It is tough. And hopefully that will change. But we start waking up to the messages that the world tells us. And middle fucking school, middle school. It's but but but, but capitalism. The world is like here are your flaws that you didn't know you had. We will sell you the products to fix them. That's what we are told. That's how they make their money. And it's a billion, seven billion dollar industry to say, did you not know you were flawed? Let me show you why. And here you go, give me your money and I'll help you fix it. And all of that's happening at a time when we're going through the biggest hormonal change we go through. But you go through a bigger hormonal change at that age than when you grow a human in your body, than pregnancy. That's what, so it's, it's like, you're so impressionable at that age and that's what's happening. Yes, yes, thank you for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> you're so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going kind of going back through the part of your story where you decided to do, like you decided in order to kind of make like sense of this and to be, you know, to have some value, I'm going to use my art and I'm going to create a show. And it took you two years to write it. And then you performed it um, for a few years while you were still acting out in your disease. Do you call it a disease? I don't know. Do yeah. you do that? Okay. Disordered. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. While you were in your disorder. Right. So, and then at some point people started asking you for help or even maybe right away because you were sort of out there telling the story about you didn't, you were still suffering, <laughs> you know, you weren't healed. What do you want to share with us about just, I mean, that's a really significant decision or to go through to say, okay, I'm, telling my story this is really therapeutic for me and this is great i know i'm helping people but i'm i'm still not you know well or healed or whatever but i think i'm going to start getting coach certifications or i'm i'm going to you know i think this is so can you talk about how, like that period or that process for you um if i really look at it it might stem all the way back to 4 years before i started even writing the show when i was at a very very low point um and uh, I had gone through a, a breakup that um, would like left me spiraling and, you know, makes you not sleep for weeks and then your hair starts falling out and all of that. And, and um, I had to figure out how to be alone, alone without feeling like I was going to die in my apartment, <laughs> which is weird because I'm a loner and I always had been. But at that time, it was like, if I'm alone in this apartment, I'll die. And uh, so I had to split myself kind of in half, like imaginary, sit down next to myself and turn and look. And and I tried to figure out why someone would hang out with this. I was like, what is okay about this person? Why would anyone want to spend time with this? What is happening? When I looked at myself from that third person perspective with my very non-judgmental and accepting heart, I could finally see for just a hint of like, oh, oh, she's okay. She's a person who cares about others and is doing her best. Yeah, she's got some problems, but she's trying really hard and she's pretty funny and actually pretty smart. And yeah, I could hang out with her. Maybe she's not completely worthless. And that was like just the beginning of getting somewhere near a sense of self-worth. And then the real process happened later as far as constantly trying to look at yourself as a friend and speak to yourself as a friend and actually look at yourself without, we have this feeling that beating ourselves up and being cruel to ourselves is somehow gonna help us in some way or somehow gonna motivate us or somehow we deserve that. 
but remembering that you just deserve the same respect and love as every other human being that you would offer to anyone else. It, it takes work, but really constantly analyzing every thought you have and asking if that's something you would ever say to someone else or expect of anyone else. And if not, finding a way to shift it. That's where the work started for me is just figuring out, like walking down the street and being like, ah, geez, what an idiot. And then kind of stopping and being like, I would never call anyone an idiot for that, for, for whatever I just did. So why would I do that to myself? And that's really genuinely the beginning of all the healing. It just starts there. Self-compassion, self-love, self-respect, and it spirals up. I can't say enough about the role of self-love in mm -hmm. my healing journey. It's, it is the most pure measure of my spiritual fitness and my mental health is how is is self-love and and where how much or not that that's showing up in my life and you know i'm i'm you know i've gone through the journey from you know saying not not nice things to myself in the mirror looking at my body and and the journey that you that we're talking about today all the way to today being a 49 year old you know self-confident fully expressed woman still this morning in my journal going, it's okay if you have a lazy weekend, yeah. you know? And, and, and like, even to the point where like, I'm really good at lazy, but then there's a point where I start to judge it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's a I, mean, I even have lazy as a credential. Like I am lazy. I claim my laziness. I what? love that about myself, yeah. but there still is a limit, you know? And, yeah. and, and just like, you know, I just think like self-love is such a great access point. I don't really care how evolved you are. I feel like there's always places to look for that where yeah. we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I do have, I work on that with a lot of clients too, including myself is, is relating your worth to productivity. Like that's, yes, that is false. You're right. We are not worthless if we're not being productive, right? Right. And it's so easy to be like, with a friend, I'd be like, oh, good for you. You're taking a break. That's great. Right. <laughs> for us, you know, we judge it. So yeah, roots right back to self-love. So. Yeah, I love that. When you were talking about some of the healing aspects of doing the show, it reminded me a lot about the community we have here around uh, confessions. And, you know, the show's tagline is straight talk and confessions from successful soulful entrepreneurs. And then we have the GFR squad, which we're going to do a little bit of a training segment for that only the members see when we're done with this. And the GFR with the GFR squad, which is a really uh, low barrier to entry from a money standpoint, but just a little skin in the game to have people show up. We have a monthly call and each month is a theme of our, one of our GFR commandments. And you know, each commandment has a, what I called a confession question, which is so funny because like the Jew has like the commandments and the confessions. And I have like, no, you know, I didn't grow up with any of that all at all. But the, the, the thing that I heard you share when you were talking about the show is just the, the transformation, the, the show is not a transformation of from like, you know, I was that and now I'm all healed. It was from shame and not talking and hiding to talking about it. And in my, you know, almost two years now that I've been holding space for this GFR mission and I've had these GFR commandments and they each have these confession questions and we've been doing the monthly calls with the GFR squad, which if you all haven't joined, I would love for you to join. It's, it's where I show up to confess and it's, it's a beautiful healing place. I've just noticed the power, the healing power of confessing, whether that's just to yourself Maybe even just slowing down the thoughts long enough for it to land in your head, you know, versus it being so fleeting that you don't even, you, you know, you don't even like allow it to be a thing to like journaling and writing it to then, you know, telling a friend or close confidant or coming onto the GFR monthly GFR squad, a confession call, we call it. But I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that because I do, I really now have come to see that confessing and speaking our truth, which is one of our GFR commandments is where am I not speaking my truth, is 
is is the beginning like it it to me it's the absolute absolute inception of all healing and transformation is in the speaking of the things there is no bigger wall than shame blocking you from others blocking you from yourself and you know Brene Brown does it best when you shame cannot survive the light if you put it in the light it can't survive it's gone and that's that that was so crazy to have this thing that governed every minute of my life that no one knew about and I didn't want them to like it's I I think back to that and I I I can put myself in that mindset and and be like yeah that makes sense no I'm not gonna tell people this this is messed up why would I tell people this but it's just to have this enormous piece of yourself that no one can know you're never gonna fully connect to others and you are going to continue thinking you don't deserve to connect to others and as soon as you do and you discover oh my gosh they're not horrified they're not running away they're not condemning me they don't want to never see me again instead they're grateful because people are going to relate no matter what your story is no matter what your thing is people are going to relate and empathize and be grateful to see someone else express it it will cause so much connection and the shame will disappear. I mean, I run around in foreign cities being like, come see my show about my eating disorders where I never, ever, <laughs> never talked to anybody about that. So that is like, that's crazy. I've had to stop and think to myself, man, is like, am I really running around and people talking about this? Um, so yeah, it's, it's the, I love that. Confession is the beginning of getting rid of the shame, which will be the beginning of the ultimate healing. I, yes, I totally agree. And you know, we have shame about so much. And in the world of mission-based businesses, that because it is a healing journey as well, and that's what the GFR commandments really illustrate, people have so much shame about, about investments they've made to grow their business that quote unquote didn't work, you know, or, you know, I've been, you know, I just haven't met my goal, you know, even though I keep making my goal or, I'm not putting myself out there. I'm terrified, you know, to do a Facebook live or videos. Like there's so many access points for shame just in the expression of wanting to do a business where that business is in some way selling or marketing yourself, you know, as central to it that, you know, which is, you know, where I play, you know, mostly in the shame game and the unworthiness game. But of course it's not unrelated <laughs> to, Right. And to, to our childhood, to the, you know, our origin story and the things that shaped us as people. And, but, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about telling these stories because I just feel like trauma is a normal experience and we all need to talk about it. Like whatever your trauma is struggle and, you know, doing things that you are embarrassed about is normal. And, you know, it's like, it's just all of this stuff that we hide is normal. And if more people would talk about it, we would see that it's normal. So that's, that's really the central part of this mission. So I'm really glad, so grateful and applaud, standing ovation for your show. I'm too fat for the show. I love that name. It's so funny. You know, it's just um, how courageous and what a huge contribution to the world. So much. Yeah, it's a trip. It's crazy. It's so I'm like, wow, how'd I do that? <laughs> So is there a final thought that you want to leave us with or something that you feel like we'll put a cherry on top of your conversation, our conversation here? Well, if, if anyone is interested in this thought work process that I do, I, I have a free mini intro course that yes, welcome to access. If you go to katehuffman.com slash mini course. And we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I think just that that will get you started with the process of really questioning your thoughts, where they came from, and and how true can they possibly be, and can I choose a new thought because our thoughts are not facts as much as we think they are. They're not facts. <laughs> um, and and so that that or I have a Facebook community where we also discuss all of these things and that I'll, I'll give that to you for the show notes. Yeah. Too. Okay. We'll great. And connect to other people because that's a big place to get rid of that shame and actually talk to people who are going on the same journey that you're in right now. But I think the biggest thing is just forgive yourself for wherever you are right now in this moment, you're okay. Accept it and forgive and move forward as if you're your best friend. I love that. Thank yeah. you, Kate. This was Thank you. So fun. Awesome. Awesome conversation. So, so, so needed. <laughs> Thank you so much. I had a blast.
Wow, that was so awesome. And I could see how far I've come. And I can also see, you know, where I really still want to grow around my relationship with my body. Kate has a really cool, very generous free gift for our audience. It's her mini course called Flipping the Switch on Body Hatred. If that resonates with you at all on any level, maybe you don't relate with the hate word, but you relate with the ah, it could be better word, <laughs> you know, whatever you're Whatever your feeling is, with if it's less than love, I invite you to click the link in the show notes and grab her Flipping the Switch on Body Hatred mini course. And um, as you uh, heard in the show, her talk about her favorite GFR commandments, if you haven't grabbed those yet, your 12 GFR commandments, you go to gfr.life forward slash 12C. And uh, when you get them, there's also a little bit of a sort of process or training, if you will, very, very many, like two minutes of a training that helps you kind of know how to use them because it's not a 12-step program. <laughs> They're not meant to be done in order. They really are meant for you to kind of pick one that you feel is the one that is up for you at any given time. And um, a lot of our listeners and clients uh, keep them really readily available. Most people that I talk to on Zoom calls and stuff for coaching or on the GFR squad monthly community confession call, they could, it's like within arm reach. Maybe they just do that for the calls. But anyway, it's super cool and it's super handy. So make sure you grab your 12 GFR commandments. And I'm so happy that you're with us. Make sure that you have subscribed to the show, that if you're new to the show, welcome. And every single story is as amazing as this one and is, is as inspiring and illuminating. So go ahead and subscribe to the show. Go to, there's links where you may be listening to this to subscribe if you're listening on the website or uh, if you're listening one for one time in your podcast app, just go ahead and click that subscribe so you don't miss any of the new guests this year in this uh, 2021 year of renewal. All right. Over and out for now, everybody.